0: We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. And sweet blessings, we seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing Allah Formations of the Secular, on page 41. All right, who's reading?
1: But as skepticism about the source of inspiration, thought of as communication, led to a questioning of the idea that the scriptures were divinely given, a concern with their historical authenticity, with true origins became increasingly urgent. Okay, so
0: those two points go hand in hand, right? So the question becomes, uh, the, uh, in terms of scripture, is this really coming from a supreme being? Okay? And if that's, the, uh, if that's the case, then the natural root question is going to be, how authentic is any of this? Right, Historically authentic. And it can work in reverse order as well. That, all right. You know, there's things in here that historically don't seem to be authentic. Uh, so, then what does that say about a supreme being if it's not authentic? Or does it say they're not from a supreme being?
1: Yeah. If God did not directly inspire the Gospels, then Christian belief demanded that at least the accounts of Jesus they contained should be reliable. Because only then would they guarantee the life and death of Christ in this world. And thus bear witness to the truth of the incarnation. Okay,
0: so now here's the struggle. If the Gospels didn't come from them, Christian Afida is saying that they should be reliable. Okay, and if the, the
2: Gospels didn't come from
0: so um, if, so we're saying okay, if we can't prove that the Gospels came from from God, okay, Akhida, Christian akida is still saying okay that they have to be reliable because that's almost the only evidence we have of his life, death, uh, incarnation, etc. Mm-hmm. Now we have historians from that time who do speak of, of, um, uh, of Jesus, and there seems to be enough historical evidence to say that he did exist, and uh, the crucifixion happened at this particular moment. Now, Islamic belief... My mainstream Islamic belief is that it looked like he was crucified, although he was not. Which doesn't contradict the historical record. The historical record would say, yeah, Jesus was up there. And the Islamic view is that it looked like he was. But nevertheless, I mean, history is not going to say he was resurrected. And so, al-Qaeda sometimes overrides history. Mm-hmm. And then from just an objective research perspective, okay, that's, that can't be that way. This is true historically because our aqidah says it is, even though we can prove no, it never happened. Mm. Right. And
2: so does that quite like, the, that gets you into like what's the nature of truth?
0: And, like, well, I mean, truth so that, well, it's uh, it's different than that. It's more just that, okay, as a historian, I can argue soundly this event didn't happen, that your scripture is saying happened, mm. right? Or I can argue that these events did not uh, happen the way you with artifacts, I can argue that your scripture is wrong that way. Mm. Or, if you look at the lineage of of Jesus, uh, alayhi salam, and the different Gospels, I can argue that okay they contradict with each other. Mm. Right? And so, a way to then try to rationalize the contradiction, say, because your truth, my truth, and all that. But, I'm saying historically, no. There are things that have happened, things that didn't happen. And I can prove that your thing did not happen. Okay? Because all this other stuff happened when you're saying your thing happened. Mm-hmm. But then on top of that, your four books have these particular contradictions. Yeah. You can't seamlessly fit them together. Okay? And this contributes to secularization. When you start saying religion is not that reliable. The original mm-hmm. sources are not that reliable. Okay.
1: Much has been written on the way Protestant historians helped to form the notion of history as a collective singular object. If the new view of singular subject, if the new view of history and the historian secularized revealed religion, observes John Stroop, it also tended to sacralize profane events and the universal historian.
0: Mm-hmm. So, see what happened there. So, so it's kind of uh, this is an interesting way to describe it. It's turning religion into the profane, or secularizing the religion, basically saying no, religion is just as worldly as everything else. But how? By sacralizing the historian, because the historian becomes the one who is telling you what is truth and what is not.
1: Mm-hmm. It's right? the case today with, like, scientists. Yeah, exactly. By. But- by the end of the Enlightenment, sacred and profane history were so intertwined that it was hard to disentangle them. In the same vein, Starobinsky writes of the myth- mythicization of modern history as progress. Uh,
0: another huge point. So, it's as though you're debunking one mythology and replacing it with another mythology. And part of this, the modern mythology is this idea of progress. That with each era... The world gets better and better, okay, and and so some trace this back to Hegel, this German philosopher, but the basic idea being that the world overall keeps getting better and better, and technology reinforces this. You know, who like knows what kind of technological developments there's going to be, you know, fifty years from now, right? These cell phones just these types of cell phones just came out ten years ago. Now imagine what's going to be around ten years from now. Or, like, you know, I just went through Elon Musk's biography, and so much of him as a futurist is all about, like, we're going to change the world. And he wants to, you know, colonize Mars. He has Tesla. He has these solar roofs and all that stuff. And and so part of why Elon Musk is loved so much is that people feel like he's taking us into the future, into this amazing new world, Mm -hmm. right? And then you even have other people who argue it, with different types of data, saying that all right, the amount of violence that happened in the 20th century, at the rate we are going at right now, we're nowhere close to that. So violence is actually decreasing, and and part of this is all the same outlook that progress is happening, and that's a mythology.
1: Is this what what you said about like your commentary earlier? I think we were going over, and you said they they found. Um, that religion like crept back in, even though they, remember we were talking earlier about like, even though it was sort of profaned, it kept creeping back in, in, in modern societies, and could this be a vein of that, where it's like creeping into, like these are sort of religious sentiments, right? Like John, mm-hmm. uh what's his name, Um the Tesla guy, like he's, it's like he's a messiah, right? He's, he's taking you. he's absolutely to, being depicted like a messiah. Yeah, so like, okay. I mean, how is that separate from a religious messiah? So
0: yeah, that's the mythology is shifting. Yeah. From those things we call religion, but it is still there's still a mythology. Yeah. So oh. prior to him, it was Steve Jobs. Prior to Steve Jobs, is probably Bill Gates. Prior to Bill Gates, you know who knows what it was. Eventually, going back to Tesla himself, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Nikola Tesla. Uh, yeah. Is
2: it? It seems also like a very. I guess it is. It's like a very Western thing, right? Like, cause like for the Which, Russian, what is Western? I think like seeing everything is progress. Yeah. Right? Like...
0: It's a modern Western. So when we yeah. speak of West in terms of how West has this big whole ideology, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because, like, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. not, like, for me, I I mean, I always found that strange because I'm like, there's a notion, like, oh, the rest of the world has to develop and then catch yeah. up to where we are. Yeah, which means
0: we're more advanced. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That, that, that sort of
1: phrasing or the way that's sort of framed I think it also like for someone like you know, someone like me or non whoever like who sort of believes in a in a in a religious tradition and, you know, we have a very sort of um, clear demarcation of the beginning and the end and the middle and all of that. I mean might not know the middle as much but um, but you know, at the beginning and then the end we know. It's weird when you see people sort of talking in those in that language because you're kind of thrown off. You're like, well but Cause it's 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 sort of this this infinite potential without any end mm-hmm. and you're like for you you're like well I believe in an end mm-hmm. you know I believe in a sort of reckoning I believe mm-hmm. this, this 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 chain is gonna stop really mm-hmm. hard like at one point you know mm-hmm. so like
2: Death is gonna hurt
1: yeah but it's like for so it's it's weird like you it, I think at some level at your at your core level that that sort of way people talk about stuff like that, you can't, like, you're like, but wait, like, you just, you can't hop on board fully. Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and then think about what that then means when Elon Musk is trying to colonize Mars. He's saying, even if we go from the perspective, not from an apocalypse, from a religious perspective, but an apocalypse related to global warming and, and disasters, that, okay, we can, we can avoid it by just moving everybody to Mars. And then if we reach that point in Mars, then maybe by then we'll go to, to Venus. And it's like we keep moving further and further away.
1: Yeah, we keep shifting yeah. the goalposts.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: It Let's... is not enough to note, as many have done, the existence of a secularizing process in enlightenment philosophy. A process in which man claims for reason, man, man claims for reason prerogatives that had belonged to the divine logos. An opposite tendency also existed. Myth, at first excluded and declared to be absurd, was now endowed with full and profound meaning and prizes revealed truth. Okay,
0: keep
1: on. But I turn from the old themes of historical teleology and of the sacralization of history to focus on the project of historical authenticity. In that connection, one should note that it was not an already constituted discipline of secular history that was endowed with sacredness. On the contrary, it was Christian doubt and anxiety, the discontinuities discontinu- of Christian life that drove Biblical scholars to develop textual techniques that have since become part of the foundation of modern secular historiography.
0: Okay, so this is a really, really interesting point. That it wasn't that people were trying to take down Christianity that led to these these research methods and such. It was, all right, There's something not working in the Christian uh, uh, process, the Christian existence, the Christian experiment. And what is it? And so these techniques started getting developed to figure out, okay, let's get closer to the text. Let's study the text and study the history of the text to figure out answers to these questions. With the end result being that it's creating bigger holes.
1: Herbert Butterfield, in his History of Modern Historiography, puts it this way. The truth of religion was so momentous an issue, and the controversies about it so intense, that the critical methods were developing in ecclesiastical research before anybody thought of transposing them into the field of modern history.
0: So again, it's happening first uh, by clergy. And by Biblical scholars, and so academic Biblical scholars.
1: This move should not, strictly speaking, be thought of as, as a transposition. A secular critique developed, accidentally as it were, out of a concern with the apparent unviability of Christian tradition, traditional practice, and that in itself helped to constitute the field of written secular history. Okay,
0: so it comes down to, like, if I look from the literal reading of the Bible, how old is the universe? It's like 6,000 6, 6, years 6, old, right? And, and so, I mean, that's essentially the Jewish calendar, right? 57 something, something, something. And, and so the point being that, um, okay, this, what we used to take as historically as fact, um, it isn't working. So is this metaphor. If we literally take the Bible, then a lot of these things can't be real. So, do we take it as a metaphor? Well, then let's study the history to figure it out. Which then means, okay, some of the stuff is definitely not real, but might still be metaphor.
2: But how do you reconcile that with, like, uh, like if, if you're going to say, okay, this is a metaphor right now, but then, like, earlier sort of generations of Christians took it as literal, mm-hmm. right? Like, isn't that uh, sort of a changing of, like...
0: So there's two issues there. Uh, number one, uh, how do we know they took it uh, literal? Mm. And how do we know their, predece- their predecessors took it as literal? Mm. Right? So with us, like in the case of Tafsir, we have Chas we have and then we have Am. So we have Chas, Tafsir, which is essentially what can we gather about the backstory of every ayah? Okay. And, and so that's trying to position the Quran in the first generation, okay? uh, which is a tiny... I mean, most of those books are, are barely an inch thick, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and we don't have information about all the ayahs. Uh, we even have, uh, again, contradictory reports on some of those ayahs. Yeah. Meaning, what is the first uh, set of ayahs re- uh, revealed? Easy question.
1: For us, we assume it's that problem.
0: Yeah, that's the majority opinion. Wait, what did you say? Iqraq. Oh, yeah. You uh, know, But that's the majority opinion. Yeah. Oh, there's another... Uh, there's other opinions
2: too.
0: What is that in the
2: other one? Mudathir, oh, Musammil, I mean, yeah. Al-Fatiha. Oh. These are because all... I, I remember? Yeah, but he taught us... He said... He gave a specific order. so no, he. No, said he yeah. said
1: that... that's the. He said... He mentioned that it was an opinion. That there's
0: an opinion that really changes. Yeah, so those are majority opinions. What about the night journey? When did the night journey take place?
2: After uh,
0: Thaif. After Thaif, right? And that really fits because yeah. Thaif is the lowest of the low. Yeah. And then he goes to the night journey. Yeah. That's the majority opinion. What's the other. Another opinion is that it happened almost right after the first revelation.
2: Hmm. You know. Can but it, then so
1: how can would you say th- that with prayer then? But prayer wasn't.
0: Well, maybe prayer didn't happen then. Yeah. Wait, what do you mean? Maybe that's not part of the actual events of the story.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. That's right. Oh. So when did prayer happen in the other group. Medina? You know, I I will say, like, I mean, the guy's I... story threw me off uh, in, in its timing. Yeah. Not the, the event. I uh, <laughs> <laughs> was so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> please don't. Please don't. <laughs> I'm still most of my story. Uh, no, because, like, people always said the prophet, was commanded to, like, pray in the early period right like in I mean, so
0: he he's doing tahajjud yeah um, but from i always wondered, second revelation maybe. right
2: so i always wondered like like how did he know what prayer how to you know what i'm saying like how yeah, he so that's, all that
0: like. so part of that narrative is you is taught him to, taught okay. him how to pray. yeah okay yeah Don't so, so it just made
2: sense to me uh-huh. that Daif would have like are you saying that it makes sense in my mind that it would happen earlier okay because it's like yeah he was told to like pray and like uh-huh. It, it it was like the beginning of the mission so to speak. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, Wait, so you're thinking you're saying Thaif also happened. Not oh, Thaif, I'm oh, sorry. It's right in right, Mirage. Yeah. That's my yeah. 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 So these are majority uh, opinions. These are not unanimous opinions. Uh, and so, I mean it's, it's like for me it's like yeah. if
1: like we we I feel like you it's like you already believe in that like, God took him up to, to heaven. Like I don't care mm-hmm. about the time of No it,
2: no it's not it. the yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like faith-shaking, but I, I do, like, chuckle at the fact that, like, a lot of the things that we take as standard, yeah, is an, it's just an opinion, yeah. right? Like, there's other versions of, like, mm-hmm. the narratives and, like, mythology, like, we tell ourselves. Like.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, because we, I think we take these things as set in stone, and, like, yeah, I think if you were to tell most people, well, that's just an opinion, it would really, like, well, what do you mean
0: it's just It's, that? it's like you've challenged the up idea itself. Right. That's what we're talking about here.
2: Does that, does that? So make, we're gonna become secular. <laughs> no, is that? <laughs> so you guys,
0: you guys are YM. You guys are already secular. Anyway, continue. <laughs> oh snap! I have no
2: affiliation with that Islamist organization. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay, continue. I ran to some of your friends a couple days ago. But yeah, go ahead from in Texas. Yeah.
2: Oh um, um, yeah, were they gone, we're like, oh mashallah.
0: <laughs> anyway, what were you saying?
2: Um, so saying
1: like saying that about what Adnan said about like you know people, um they tend to sort of uh, follow the, mind, see the minority opinions as, like, everything, or, like, way stronger, I guess, than they are. The majority uh, of The majority of them, sorry. Um, is that also because, and this might be a little bit of a tangent, is that because as, and I think this is a sort of Sunni perspective, as Sunnis we're, we're told to stay with, like, in general... As a general advice, we have to stay with the Jamhur, to stay with the majority as much as you can, because if you sort of stray, you're going to find yourself.
0: I mean, you can kind of make a connection that's almost like a circular point. Uh, I would say more in the sense that this is just how mythology plays out, more than how mythology is constructed, right? And what I mean by that is that uh, think about your own narrative. Mm-hmm. So, if I ask each of you to play out, you, what is your narrative? Not not give me your biography. Give me your narrative. Like, you know, what are 20 defining moments of your life? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and let's say you listed out 20 defining moments. And let's say, 30 years from now, I ask you to do the same thing. A lot of those 20, um, you're going to decide, no, this actually other thing affected me a lot more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just how life plays out sometimes. Yeah, for
1: sure. Yeah. The re- that was uh, the result yeah the result was a clear split between scientific history, including ecclesiastical history, that depended on the attitude of skeptical inquiry in pursuit of authenticity and imaginative literature or religion and arts generally that depended on setting aside the question of
0: propositional validity okay, so this becomes the split, right basically that which is uh material that we can somehow argue as authentic and then that which is in the realm of imagination, and might enhance our life and experience and such.
2: Yeah. The, that's, um, I remember when I was doing, like, a historiography, on, I think, like, it was the Biographies of the Prophets, like, something mm-hmm. here. Like,
0: there... Here? At Loyola?
2: Yeah, it was for a class.
0: Biographies of the Prophets?
2: No, it was for, like, a history class. Like, okay. I it was a project I was doing. Oh, okay, okay. I uh... I said, okay. uh but there was there was a point about, like, you know, when he says, like, imaginative versus uh, what you can prove. Yeah. There's also, I feel, there's a sense, that at least in, in our tradition, meaning Western tradition, that, like, uh, you know, what we can prove can only be, like, through primary texts, right? Mm-hmm. Like, unless there's physical evidence for it, yeah. then it's not provable. Uh-huh. So, like, that dismisses a lot of, like, oral tradition uh-huh. or other ways of, like, doing history. Yeah,
0: until we figure out a way to... To prove oral tradition. Right. right. Which is like, you
2: know, I could see uh, maybe, you know, a thousand years from now with, like, recordings like this or whatever, mm-hmm. you can find some, you know, this would be, like, a primary. Well, the question if, would become... If, if it still exists, right? Well, the question
0: with this becomes, you know, how easy it is to forge. Right? right. And how easy it and to and detect forgeries. Right. Right, right. So, cause, so carbon dating would be part of all that, so yeah. it would be interesting to see what the new type of carbon dating will be. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think
1: it's the best time to tell you Adobe came up with a program that can you can edit speech and insert words into it.
0: But maybe maybe they can look at the hardware and at some nano yeah, level and then find, you I know, mean, changes like were made. Now, yeah. yeah.
2: We don't even know But
1: not like even the
0: tools will be better then. You no know I'm saying, so,
2: yeah, like like MP three for example is a dead format. Right?
0: Yeah. like I was, like, surprised when I, when I saw that headline. I was like, huh? Yeah, I yeah. thought MP3 was still the <laughs> cool thing. You know, along with my A tracks and records. And, yeah. Wait, why is MP3 dead? No, it was officially announced MP3 yeah, is dead. Wrong. When? when was it? It was Literally like three days ago, day. yeah. yeah.
1: Well, what are they going to use now? They've
0: been using no, it. Mean, all kinds of other formats have been used, uh. yeah.
2: MP3 hasn't been used in a while.
1: Yeah. Well, officially. No, in terms of producing you probably things. probably
2: haven't been listening uh. to MP3s at all. Like, it, yeah, it reduces three. quality too much <laughs>
0: I have no idea what you guys are saying right now. Okay, no, you said you have probably haven't been listening no, to video. I'm i like, did. that's
2: all I listen
1: to. I guess I'm with you. I'm in your camp. Bring back tapes. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> this growing split was what consolidated secular history, history as record of what really happened in this world, and in the same moment, it shaped the modern understanding of myth, sacred discourse, and symbolism. As sexualized memory, secular secular history has, of course, become integral to modern life in the nation state. Okay,
0: so so this is what starts happening: this split between the secular, that it becomes synonymous with that which has been authenticated. Okay, in part because it's debunking the religious or categorizing the religious as myth or imagination. Okay, or symbolism. Okay. By the way, you know the word symbology. Like from okay, good. You don't know what it is. Like uh, I had a student that used symbology in a paper, and symbology is not a thing. It's from.
1: Isn't it symbiology <laughs>
0: Symbology is from. Um, Dan Brown. Yeah, yeah. What's that movie? Um, or a book. Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That, yeah. that movie's <laughs> cashed
1: <laughs> on by. You know was the right best had, part like, he was on.
2: like, "Good, you don't know what it means." Like, yeah. and he mentioned his student and he had the most like disgusted book like, <laughs> his student used it in a paper. Yeah, yeah I'm really afraid if I like ever... Like, He's read know, my paper. He knows how dumb I am. <laughs> not, like, I crossed that bridge a long time ago. But he
1: doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he doesn't know about my writing Yes. Or
0: yeah. does he? But anyway, so like... Uh, <laughs> but the point here becoming that then that starts becoming the default. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh,
2: right. What becomes the default?
0: The secular history. Why? Because I can prove it. Now, if you think about the American North and the American South, this is where one of the lines are crossed, right? The American South, the right wing, the Rust Belt, aside from the politics and everything, or the right wing across different religious traditions, tend to be anti-intellectual. Because it's debunking all your beliefs. Mm. And then the other side tends to be intellectual Either saying, well, we take a belief in a different way. But, you know, if you knock off a lot of these things in our beliefs, it still doesn't really affect our beliefs very much. right?
1: The rereading of scriptures through the grid of myth has not only separated the sacred from the secular... It has helped to constitute the Oh yeah, go back one sentence oh. but although, but although it's subject it is subject like all remembered time to continuous reformation, reinvestment and reinvocation. Secular history's linear temporality has become the privileged measure of all time. Mm-hmm. The rereading of the scriptures through the grid of myth has not only separated the sacred from the secular, it has helped to constitute the secular as the epistemological domain in which history exists as history. And his anthropology. Okay, so the basic point is the
0: same, that it's now uh, making itself the default. And this also includes how we understand how history works, and the key point being that history is linear.
2: You know, this is something that I've sort of always, uh, I don't know, struggled with, but thought about a lot, and it's bothered me because, like, even when I read the Quran, I always think, like, you know, all the prophets that are mentioned, Ibrahim, Islam, Musa, Islam, and like when I talk to like very like really religious Muslims will talk about these events, like these grave events, mm-hmm. and I always think like this isn't like this is sort of yeah, this is like Muslim history, but like the other part of me is like what effect did this have on human history like, yeah. it's, it's already separate in my mind, mm-hmm. so I'm like in, in like but in the history of the world, like these people did they affect it in that way what right? would be
0: some ways that they affected things me
2: meaning like the story of Ibrahim and Islam. Would we know it if it wasn't in the scripture, right? Okay. Would it actually have affected our understanding? Like, is it part of our historical record as like human beings? I mm-hmm. see that as the separate thing. Yeah, you know what I mean, like.
0: So one way,
2: like like the example oh. I give is like like Roman like in Roman history is Jesus even like this create you know it's like he's a blip right you know what I yeah. mean and I'm like
0: until until Constantine yeah. right and okay. so. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, one way uh, to think about this is in lineage. So you know how much esteem there is in the subcontinent, in Central Asia, in many parts of the world of being a Sayyid or a Sharif, right? I mean, descendant of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And, and so imagine you're around three generations, four generations after the death of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, is there an esteem to be married into the Prophet's family? Peace be upon him. Okay, uh, it's probably a fair assumption. And and then all those people are having children, and then all those people are having children, and so then think about the proliferation of the children. So I would suggest that all the big big figures of history, um, including so many of our prophets. Um, As well as conquerors, Um, in the generations or the century after them, there was probably esteem to be married into their family. Mm. Because then it becomes a type of royalty. Yeah. Right? Um, And so, at the very least, that's probably how they've affected, you know? Yeah. Purely demographics. Yeah, yeah. Like, apparently, like, uh, uh, just about everybody in the world has some genetic code linking them to the Mongols. Yeah. Right? And, yeah, everybody else, yeah. Especially South Asian. Especially right? Desis, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all those I names. you should be happy about yeah. it. You know, be Beg, Khan, that's, that's all Mongols. Mongols, yeah. all that. That's yeah. Where they come from. Yeah, and so, so, but the point being that um, it may or may not be uh, that the individual moment affected history in that moment. Yeah. Right? Um, but their lineage probably did. Yeah. Right. But... Uh, if Ibrahim al um having that moment, um, then further enhances Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him. So sometimes an event, its effect may not happen, and the ripples and so, it causes immediately, right? But then
2: because we see the effects of the Prophet, Muhammad yeah, and, like and
0: and so that is also demographics too. That's birth, that's lineage too, right? Right, and I'm saying that who knows that there might be events like I mean, Greece would be an example. Yeah. Okay, Greece comes and goes, and then you know, eight hundred years later, then Muslims pick up all this literature yeah. and start translating it. Yeah. So it was irrelevant to the world for so long. Yeah. And then, you know, Christians start taking the Muslim books and start translating them into Latin. Yeah. And then eventually going straight back to the Greek, and now they're constructing this whole civilization, the civilizational theory called the West. Yeah. So. I think that's also fascinating too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, aside from Ibrahim al Islam, what about like the hundred thousand prophets elsewhere? Right. You know?
2: it was yeah. I guess in my mind, I the, I've always had like it's it's fascinating. And it, I mean, like I already knew this point. Yeah. And it It's like it's funny to see it because like mm-hmm. I've always had religious history separate from like uh-huh. a real history in my mind. Yeah, right? yeah. Like you know, and I always used to think like when people would talk about all the prophets, mm-hmm. you know, I always thought, well, what was going on like what what was going on in in like history at that Mm -hmm. time? What kingdoms were there? Like Mm -hmm. what did the world sort of look like? Right? And how relevant were these people to Mm -hmm. like
0: everyone? In in their in their time and place, yeah. Yeah, you know? Yeah, so so it is said in our books that okay, Namrud uh, was one of like four kings who literally had dominion over the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that includes North America, South America, right? Um, but he had dominion over the entire world and Ibrahim alayhi is going and arguing with him. Yeah. Right? So there's something there. But how long is that argument? Suppose yeah. it was one hour. Yeah. You know. Um, if we take the example uh, the, 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 mm-hmm. the story of Suleiman alayhi and how does Suleiman alayhi get announced that he's gonna die?
2: I looked at it, I looked at uh, that. I don't know. Why do you so these... Uh, I these, mean, I kind of I remember, kind of remember but It's
0: remember. like these, these ants or termites start, start eating at so his cane. Right, okay? because he's not, yeah. And, and uh, that's what's fascinating about the plan of Allah. That it could be, in terms of the globe, the equivalent of this one particular prophet appearing at this moment is the equivalent of a bug next to a human being. Mm. Okay, but that is part of this this very very quiet, subtle chain that gets bigger and bigger and bigger leading to that's the, interesting uh,
1: that so story see, has those those see, contrasts crazy, with crazy him crazy and, it, and the like, animals and the bugs because they for us they're completely like you know they're they're like over're above them, especially uh-huh. now in the modern sort of secular mindset uh-huh. and like he so many of his pivotal moments yeah. are due to these quote unquote insignificant mm-hmm. things. Yeah.
2: That makes see that like that strikes a much deeper chord and like that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. right like that there were these little moments but it's building it's, up yeah it's all that. been growing little by little right? by little yeah because like I feel like the way we talk about them it's like no <coughs> everyone knew about
0: this. yeah like so, did bother happen like or how much of the world paid attention to the Battle of Bother at that time right which yeah, we're exactly saying right. is one of the biggest moments in history right one thing I think that can be looked up is the splitting of the moon yeah. yeah. So, you know, Uncle Al, uh, in one of his lectures, says that there's some Chinese book somewhere that uh, calls one particular year the year of the splitting moon. Yeah. That's something that I think can be fascinating that can actually be researched. Like, yeah. try to figure out, because we can narrow down the splitting of the moon down to about 10 years. Yeah. And then just go through all of the, the calendars and the yeah. scriptures or whatever, the records of different civilizations, see if you can find anything Yeah. connected to that one night. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because that's also part of the story. You know the have we talked about the Cheraram Masjid? No, Cheranam Masjid. Yeah. Is that the
1: one in uh, like Bengal? It's it? in
0: Kerala, and or Kerala, and basically this is a masjid uh, uh made in 629. So there
1: was something it was made similar in 629? to that. Yes. yes. Wait,
0: wait, wait. Take out your phone.
1: <laughs> there was another some, something very similar to that. Um, I remember reading it, What's like, it? last year.
0: Uh, C-H-E-R-A-N-A-M. Last year. Or was, Cheraman, maybe.
1: There yeah. was a that they found, like, in, like, the north somewhere, too? I don't know.
0: Where. Well, this one's right. continuously running.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's been running? Yeah. But they they found one, they found, like, uh, so this mushroom I want to say it's in Bengal somewhere. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: This idea, expedition. explanation, you can't just drop that. Okay, idea. so
0: look at where it is on the map of India.
2: It's, yeah, it's in Kerala, so southern, yeah, so southern India. But on it's the on the, it's at the edge, right? Yeah, it's on the coast.
0: Now, look at a, a map of the world to see how close that is to Arabia. Yeah, yeah, it's right? not far. So, so Malik bin Dinar is said to be the Sahabi who, who opened up this masjid. Okay. In India, 629 is before the death of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Yeah. It's a continuously running masjid. Okay. I mean, the structure has changed. Um, but the point being... The legend that is part of this um, is a little bit different. The legend is that uh, there were there was some legend across the world that the final prophet is going to be coming. Okay, and there's a prince in uh, the coast uh, uh, ruling some land in the coast of India. Okay, and I wouldn't be surprised if in Africa they have a similar legend or something. But there's yeah. a uh, who's in the coast of the Indi- of India. Um, and there's reports that a prophet, the final prophet, is coming or is here. And then you know, this earthquake begins. This, you know, everything is like quaking in a very, very strange, strange way, not like a normal earthquake. And then the prince looks and he sees the moon splitting because you know, like the moon affects the tide and everything, yeah, right? Yeah. And so then. What That's my, that my prayer in order Okay. Vacation. And so, and so then, notice the timing, while wow, we are talking about this, mashallah. <laughs> okay, so then. I just want to let you know it's off by five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and so then this prince uh, immediately leaves and goes straight to Arabia, where this prophet is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Right? School legend. And then I think from there, he invites one of the Saabis to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, that's a mushyet that is that's believed wild. to be continuously running.
1: There was, I think, the, there's know, another one they found in in that North India that was supposed to be, a, like, established when the prophet was alive. Because you know, it was as mushyet they were doing, like, renovations on, and they said yeah. they they opened it, like, they were, they were remodeling, and they opened up and they found, like, this foundation that they didn't know was there, mm-hmm. and they tested it, and it was, like, from the time of the prophet. Wow, well, wow. Uh, yeah. You were
0: saying something else?
2: You know, I wonder, like... I guess on a spiritual level, like yeah. you know, for us, like you would think somewhere a Sahaba was would have like this great impact mm-hmm. in the sense that like it would uh, that place would become like the center for Islam, for learning for these things. But that's not how like history played out, uh-huh. right? Like, I mean, is cool, but it's not even a Muslim Kerala school. Oh you no, know no, I'm saying it's not a Muslim in terms of like Muslim power. Stronghold, Muslim, or the hell yeah. Yeah, it's not. There's not a lot. It's. There, it's mm-hmm. very Christian, it's very
0: like uh, I mean, this could also be, being given, it be this could also could be giving us a hint in terms of the different types of expansion of Islam. Yeah So the one we all know about is by way of, of conquest, yeah right um, And then, um, but then preaching is still taking place. yeah and so what are they doing? They're setting up masjids and, and doing dawah. And maybe they're setting up just to make sure the masjid is, uh, remains established. Yeah. And then leaving up to later generations to then expand from there. Right. You know, and that's in terms of the slow, long-term process. Yeah. As opposed to going for the short-term victory. Yeah.
2: Right. I've, I mean, just speaking of Dawa, I don't, know, I don't want to sidetrack. Yeah. But like, it's always, especially like here, like what I've seen here, it's always, the older I get, the more sort of uncomfortable I am with it. Especially, like Meaning, like, the game piece. The, like. Well, oh, we don't need to name specific organizations, oh, by the yeah. way. <laughs> Sorry. You've already you've already said,
0: <laughs> YM is an Islamist organization two seconds later, then Omar said, and hey Adnan, blah, 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 blah. So your name is here, okay? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. Oh, God. Well, they're not
2: supposed to say <laughs> Stop associating. Can you
0: make your point, please?
2: <laughs> no, I feel like uh, a lot of the uh, Daoar process, like, that whole process here, it just... It felt very, like, Christian to me. In what way? In sort of, like, the rhetoric, the style. uh, Maybe. The discourse. And, like, just... I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It just made me, like, uncomfortable.
0: Well, I mean, uh, not referring to any particular organization, I do think that bow for a lot of people, is a form of conquest. Yeah. Right? Uh, As opposed to bringing people closer to a law. Yeah. Um, And... Yeah, in terms of techniques and tools, that's yeah, it's a whole separate conversation. But yeah, let's continue with this.
1: <laughs> in the mythic rereading of the scriptures, Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection could still be represented as foundational. But in the course of this reconstruction, Christian faith sought, the, sought a reconsideration of the question of inspiration. God might not have literally dictated to the Old Testament prophets and to the apostles of the New, but the faithful Christians saw some sense in which they could still be said to be inspired. That is literally breathed into by the Holy Spirit. Herder had initially, init, Herder had initiated an answer by attributing to the Old Testament prophets a gift for giving expression to the power of the Spirit. But it was his follower Eichhorn who applied this thought systematically. It was Eichhorn who provided a new solution to the irreconcilable claims of skeptics and believers. They claim, on the one hand, that the prophets were charlatans and on the other, that they were spokesmen for d- divinity. Okay, so
0: that becomes the end result, right? If I'm saying this history is made up, then I'm saying that this person who's claiming to talk to the divine is actually a charlatan, right? Or what? Or is delusional. Okay, that's the, usually how it goes. And then the other side, if I'm a believer, I'm saying, no, this is the voice of God, or God is speaking to this person or through this person. Okay, continue
1: Prophets, Icorn proposed disarmingly, were inspired artists. But what appears to have gone largely unnoticed was that while prophets were called, artists were not. Artists might commune with God's creation, but they could not hear his voice, not at any rate in their capacity as poets. So then you're going to
0: have those people who are going to try to reconcile the two. How do we make sense of them both? And what it effectively always means is you still... Lower the status from what the believer is saying, and you raise the status from what the, uh, the, the skeptic is saying, right? Uh, that's usually how, how these two points get uh, reconciled. And so then it gets easy to debunk. Yeah. Continue.
1: Given that inspiration was no longer to be thought of as direct divine communication, romantic poets identified it within, identified it in a way that could be accepted by skeptics and believers alike. Elaine Schaeffer observes that Coleridge used sleep, waking dream, and opium, which he took for the relief of pain, to suspend normal perception and to attain a state that could be described as an illuminated trance. In this, as in other cases, there was more than a simple attempt to reassure skeptical opinion. A new twist was given to problematize further the notion of a unitary, self-conscious subject by attributing to fragmented states Access to radically different kinds of experience.
0: So what are we saying here that okay, then how do we explain? Uh, what seems to be this religious experience? So one way of course is drugs Right that you know, they, they ingested some drugs and then had this this altered state of consciousness But what are they all They're attempts to try to bridge belief with skepticism? Okay? and then the problem is that too often, almost always, they are too easy to debunk. You know, it's just like when we try to describe, okay, the Prophet, peace be upon him, when he describes what his experience is like when he's receiving Wahid, then what do then some skeptics say? He's going through an epileptic seizure. Yeah. Right? You know.
1: According to Col- Coleridge's theory of imagination, poetic vision presupposed the alteration of ordinary perception, regardless of how it might be attained. No longer opposed to reason, as in the secular enlightenment, imagination now acquired some of reason's functions, and stood in contrast to fancy. For Coleridge, himself deeply read in German biblical criticism, prophets were not men who sought to predict the future, but creative poets who expressed a vision of their community's past. The past That both as a renewal of the present and as a promise for the future, and a renewal as the Durkheimian Henry... Hubert was to point out much later, is a repetition, a participation in mythic time. Not only was it conceded that prophets and apostles were not superhuman, they were even credited with an awareness of their personal inadequacy as channels of revelation. In the romantic conception of the poet, the tension between authentic inspiration and human weakness allowed for movements of subjective illusion, and thus accounted for evidence of exaggeration and insufficiency. In this regard, the prophets and apostles were no different. What mattered was not the authenticity of facts about the past, about the past but the power of the spiritual idea they sought to convey as gifted humans.
0: So then another explanation becomes that okay, these exaggerations, or these uh, historical uh, inconsistencies, are exaggerations. Right? And so the prophets are humans, and so they're also given to exaggeration. That's basically what happened. That's why it doesn't work historically. So there's still prophets. They're still talking to the divinity, um, but they're all speaking in exaggeration, and mm-hmm. that works a little bit better. But it's apologetic. You know, here's how it works together.
1: Isn't that also projecting? Their pr- projecting to the past because, like, it's like, oh, these poets take drugs and they exaggerate.
0: Yeah, I mean, so all these would be essentially projections yeah. and. And, and it's, it's all of these are using whatever means possible to reconcile this contradiction. Here's the t- what the scripture says, and here's what history says. Okay. I
1: now move from the history of Christian theology briefly to the history of ethnography, where we find changing concepts of inspiration entangled with an emerging experimental physiology and concept of artistic genius. Okay, so let's
0: stop right here on page 45 at shamanism. Inspiration and sensibility. last so questions or thoughts? Alright, So,